This is Monica Perez here with Jessica Solche, the director of Death Athletic, a dissident architecture. Is it Solche? Solche, you got it perfect. Oh, fantastic. Okay, great. It's S-O-L-C-E. So yes, this film, Death Athletic, a dissident architecture, introduced me really to the subject of 3D guns and the kind of battle I think more for the First Amendment than the Second Amendment, but that's about all I know. So I'm going to ask you to walk me through the issue and your film. Thank you for being here, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Um, on the surface, my film definitely looks like it's just a gun film, uh, specifically a 3D gun film. But actually, underneath it all is much heavier a First A, First Amendment, and a film that covers code and um, information online and the dissemination of information. Um, yes, so it is a 2A film, it is a first day film, but underneath it, it has much more widespread ideas and um, encounters or uh, suggests the pro possible problems of freedom of speech today on the internet. So I will say the the film... It's, I like the format of the film. I I am not like a big reader of personal stories. I don't like the personal story, but I do find that the biography is a great way to teach somebody a little bit of history from a period. So your film, which is to me, you could the subtitle could be the Cody Wilson story because it really focuses on a person, but that walks us through in a kind of narrative this battle. So I want to kind of know a little bit about your background and uh, how this topic interests you and how you met Cody. Sure. Um, so I never thought I was going to be a documentary filmmaker. In 2013, I kind of fell into it. Um, it was around the time Sandy Hook had happened and all across mainstream media, we were all talking about guns and it was kids running out of buildings, and there was a, a, a brand new emphasis that had been placed around the Second Amendment. Um, at that time, I um, met an artist who shared a piece of work that he was going to do, and I knew that it was a very emotional way into um, this uh, gun control debate and the efficacy of guns. Hence, I started and I did my first film in which Cody is one of the characters. So I met Cody in 2013. No control? Exactly. So the first film was No Control. I made that in a nice roundabout two years, <laughs> as opposed to this film that took about a little over eight years. Yes, I, I see you have footage from so long ago. And I, I imagine that the lockdown, as evil as it was, probably gave you a lot of time to edit, <laughs> you know, to pull the film together. It was something else. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. So, yeah. So you started making this film in, um, so what year does that bring us? 2015? So you did No Control, took two years, and then you moved on to this? Yeah. In 2015, after my other film got distribution, I decided to, I just knew there was far more of a story there. As you said, it is a, a biography about a person, but underneath it, there is so much more. Um, and it echoes everything that was happening that I found important and interesting. We have Assange, we have Silk Road, we have Manning, we have all these um, people that were being, um, you know, working out of an ethos, working out of a moral imperative to put things out on the internet to share with the people and being squashed for it. And I definitely saw that there was um, absolute symmetry 
to Cody's story and these stories possibly for larger stories because I have come to over the years, even though I've been in this this world for so long, I realize still a lot of people don't know this story. I would say, and I'm very sensitive to spoilers, so I'm not spoiling anything, but um, I think throughout the film, it I have not I had never heard of him, but I would definitely put him in that class. Yes. So that is where also the title comes from, Death Athletic. I didn't understand the title at <laughs> all. Tell me. So um, Death Athletic comes from, um, stems from a German philosopher who wrote this book called You Must Change Your Life. He talks about death athletes. It's specifically in the religious framework, like Jesus. So somebody who has a moral imperative, who looks at death, the tyranny of death is emancipated and continues to do what they're supposed to do in life, their fate, if you will, or their imperative. So taking that idea and creating um, a contemporary version of it, which I think is um, imperative and important right now. It's the Assange, it's the Mannings, it's the Aaron Schwartz, it's the Ulbrichs, everyone that's doing something that they know, maybe they don't understand at what level at the beginning, because we all have the naive passion when we embark on something, you know, you don't see your end result, um, that they have to do this thing. Now, in today's age, it may not be a literal death. It can be an online death, uh, a death within your family in the sense of being kicked out. Aaron Swartz, unfortunately, it's, you know, a real death. I would say prison is a real death. But I mean, there were also some people who went to the mat for like not getting a vax, losing a job, not being able to support a family. Like there was some of that. I think this is important. I think it's an important slogan and a courageous like epithet to grab a hold of. It's a great way of helping me articulate, which articulating things is not always the, you know, sometimes that diminishes them, but Cody's philosophy, his way of life and his what drives him was very hard for me to really, you know, articulate to like put in a category I've already experienced. So this death athletic idea is is closer than anything I came up with in that. And I and I want to talk a little bit about him, but let's first talk about what what is the issue from a, a political or a techno-political as as one of the one of the several glossary terms I picked up from this show, digit from your movie, digital libertarianism, uh techno politics. And uh, new world order liberals. I thought those were all some pretty good terms. But so, tell me from a like techno political point of view, what what is what is the kind of obvious issue that we're talking about here? Well, on the surface, it's um, Cody and Defense Distributed um, took the gun and put it into the digital era, right? No, nowhere before, and you know, the government has doesn't really have a lot of law. Well, they're catching up now. But in 2013, there definitely wasn't a lot of laws on about the internet. Um, the internet was a, a new frontier. Uh, and they took the symbol and with great mischief, um, put it on the internet. And to this day, a lot of people that still, there's a lot of people that believe he was actually selling physical guns. This is a story about code. And it goes back to PGP, Zimmerman and Bernstein in the early 90s, trying to put code online. Um, and they encounter what we have, um, which is called the ITAR, 
that came uh, about during the Cold War um, era. And once these laws were in, pay in place, they were never taken away. And they were to um, safeguard ideas, munitions, uh, uh, military implements, everything from like people sharing them with like Russia, with China, etc. What year did you say ITAR was established? Did you just say that? Sorry. During the Cold War. Cold War, right. Okay, Cold War era stuff. So it was about keeping secrets between the Iron Curtain, right? Exactly, exactly. And then once they put those in place, they never, they never, you know, were taken away. They were, they were in place to these days. So, you know, yeah. some of these wartime laws, they slide in there, you know, they exist from the past and they also try to tap into them now, Defense Production Act, stuff like that. Got to be careful what, what is done in the name of war and Cold War. For sure. Like once they're in place, they, they don't get taken away. Yeah. They're just Leviathan. used as more leverage and, right. you know, for the next war. <laughs> yes, yes, on us. In flow at the moment. Um, yes. So, so it's about code. Um, he moved it into the digital era. He put guns as an idea on the internet. And this caused just, uh, you know, we're post-Sandy Hook. We are, this is um, a time where everyone's discussing gun um, control, what can be controlled. And instead of politicians saying, you know, being, I guess, brave enough, if you will, to say, we don't want any guns. They're talking about like regulating little pieces or like doing stuff like this. Pretty much my first film, No Control, is like a discussion about the efficacy of gun control. Mm -hmm. And if it's really kind of just like political BS. Um, because it's not possible. It's such a simple, this is what, when you were on Gabriel, my, uh, fellow podcaster friend, Gabriel Custodiet on the Watchman Privacy Podcast, who turned me on to you, he was saying that it's just such a simple concept. What a gun is, it's a, you know, a, it's like a, an explosive, a projectile, a hammer and a tube. Sure. And you're not really going to be able to eradicate that. Sure. And a lot of people still don't understand that in the United States, it's federally legal to make your own gun at home. And people have been doing it way before the internet, right? Like for people do it, hobbyists do it. They use, just use massive CNC ma machines in the past. Um, these last 10 years have really just developed the ability. CNC has become desktop, like the ghost gunner. You have 3D printing. It's just push development and manufacturing into literally the hands of the people, right? In a very, very quick way. Um, so this film like covers all of these things, but it's really about also the government's ability to interject in between you and your computer and the information that you can receive and share um, and who gets in trouble for it. There, there was a great line that he said, like, why would you need a background check to download a file in response to one of the questions from the press? Which is, um, yeah, that, that's a great moment. Oh, I think you might for medical devices. I think they might have ushered that in during COVID that you, one thing you cannot download is uh, files for medical devices. Did you see that? You I'm, I'm pretty that? sure. I think I remember the new one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's absurd. It's like it's yeah. the, it's the holding back of information. It's you know, Aaron Schwartz wanted to release 
information. And he got in trouble for just wanting to release information, which I believe was publicly funded in the first place. That's the thing. They claimed that it was private because it was like at MIT or whatever, but MIT is an arm of the Defense Department. All that stuff is publicly funded, then goes into the coffers of corporations. And uh, so... Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I I don't know how far of a libertarian you are, if you even are a libertarian, but the, I don't believe in copyright or intellectual property at all. It's just information. It's just ideas. How can you, how can you ask the the state to come into somebody else's house and tell them to expunge an idea or not use an idea they have in their head, which they may or may not have gotten from you. And that is what they do. They enforce that. Yeah, heavily. It's, uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. People make their whole careers on just um, safeguarding ideas without doing anything with them. Yes, actually, yes, that's right. It's, it actually becomes a place to just take stuff offline yep. if you can project, protect from other people using it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so he, do you, you know, let's talk about what, what his, what Cody's goal was. So he brought gun knowledge mm-hmm. to the internet. And he seems to be a man with a mission. And, and, what, and his mission doesn't seem to be to get guns into people's hands. His mission seems to be to press, push the system to its limits to show either its weakness or its atrocity or whatever. And he's willing to go death athletic to do it. I mean, I think you summarized it quite well. Definitely at the beginning from 2013, 2015, 2016, it wasn't about making money. It wasn't about, it was really, well, there was a lot of mischief in there. There was a lot of, he, he loves the political, he loves the stage. He knew that the gun, not because he loves guns, actually, in this, like, he wasn't like a insane gun lover or something. He knew that the gun as an implement and an image was so um, filled with uh, importance and power that that was the right thing to go with. Because Benjamin Denio is a person his friend, also part of Defense Distributed, who actually came up with the idea. Cody, though, had the uh, cojones to run with it. Um, A number of people at the very beginning stages didn't want their face anywhere near the public public space. But Cody was willing to take this idea and completely go forward with it. Well, it's funny to me or interesting, you can tell me if I got this right. So People who are willing to put their face on something like that, sometimes they're crazy billionaires like Elon Musk, who I think is totally a created person because he would never really have gotten away with all the things that he's done and said. But but a lot of times it's because you have or, you know, someone's more prone to to have that courage if they don't have a lot to lose. If you spent 30 years in an industry and by blowing the whistle on it, you lose everything and you have kids. I mean, it's hard, but if he did not have a lot to lose, but on the other hand, it takes money to do this. It's hard to, you know, how are you going to do this? So either he had a lot of money or his parents had a lot of money, in which case he would have had something to lose or he didn't. And he had to just scrounge it out. And I just, I can't see how he is. So you're telling me he, you know, he was willing to put his face on it. So I feel like he was willing to lose what he had but I can't understand how he was able to fund what he said was mainly just the, the key to AI and 3D stuff is lawyers. So um, he was very young. He was in law school at the time when in 2013 he, um, he left law school during it because this all took off. I mean, in the sense of how you framed it, he had nothing to lose. He didn't, right. you know, okay. 
family. He wasn't he working needed, at a corporate firm. His he wasn't his father did, yeah, he wasn't a politician. And he, you know, jumped out of law school. But yeah. money, he didn't have anything. What he had was this fervent mission, this mischief, mischievous power and a way to get there. And when media embraced him, thinking that, oh, when they when he came online, they would just find a, you know, a, a frat boy or somebody who wasn't very articulate. Oh, no. He came in with a fire that at the beginning they just devoured. And then they really pushed this to the mainstream. Um, but, you know, like I was saying originally, when I, th- I think some people don't understand the actual, like the time frame and what happens in life and what took, you know, just a fun and a game, even though like the stakes were really high. It follows you, right? And in 2015, he realized that the government was never going to say what you did was criminal or not, what you did was wrong or not. You can't do this, you can't. They wouldn't say anything. They just left it hanging. So, you know, he was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm in it now. This is this is part of my life. I'm ready to go. Let's sue the DOJ. Unless he didn't have money, he came up with this idea and well, his team came up with this idea of the ghost gunner, which was the very first desktop CNC mill. And with the profit... What is CNC? CNC, uh, I don't even know what it stands for. But But I mean, it's the machine that cuts or that that prints? Machine that cuts. Got it. So like you have, like there used to be massive CNC mills. You put a piece in there, you, you know, drill a little hole. Yeah, like a job shop. It's yeah, like you go in somebody's, you know, garage or a, a job shop that has, you know, a lot of space yes. and safety. But yeah, so I've seen the machine and it looks kind of like what I thought a 3D, 3D printer looked like, at least the size. Sure, yeah. So yeah. That, those are two different things. A 3D printer, which is plastic, yes. polymer, whatever. And then the other, which is, it can actually cut metal, which changes the game. Two very different things. And what started out aluminum now can do steel We're wow. many, many years later, right? Um, so for funding the government, he came up with this idea. It worked, Ghost Gunner worked, and then all that money started funneling back into, as you said, paying off the lawyers. Um, so he was selling machines, and then those machines, those were also digital, like they they had code in them that, yeah, like I how do those machines... Feed, you have to feed these CNC machines code in order right. to know where to put the cuts, where to make right, okay. that work. So it has, it's smart. It has a motherboard or whatever. It's yeah, smart. yeah, it's, 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 okay. It's, it hooks to your computer, but it has got it. Okay. I don't know. If I think it has a computer in it as well. A motherboard. I'm just saying he. So he's not selling guns. He's selling machines. So his guy Sullivan. Yeah, two separate things. Made this Three. machine, and you that's how they made money. Yeah, I mean two separate things. You start out with the Liberator, Liberator, which is the 3D plastic gun. Um, totally separate. That's code that they were trying to put open source online. Nope, they didn't want money for it. They were just putting out the information. Got it. And then in order to fight the government or force them to make a decision, then he built a physical thing. Mm. Wow. And he could sell that could be used not only to build a business, but also to fight the government. So that was 2015. Um, And then that machine has morphed many times over the years as, you know, a business and a machine does. Yeah, great. Um, and that that ability to have the ghost gunner absolutely affected his ability to continue his, all his legal battles, which have been many, many over the years. 
And that can be really exhausting and demoralizing. So he has definitely got something unusual to drive him on like that. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then he also had this partner, Ben, who I don't know if it's jokingly portrayed as an echo terrorist or whatever. Like I did not, Ben was not super featured in it. And I don't know if he was there for all those years or just there in the beginning, but he, they seem to have be equally combative against the, the powers that be in the beginning anyway. Um, no, that wasn't a joke. That was... Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> that, was, that was a true statement on Cody's side. Um, I, I mean, Ben has always been around, but he's definitely been more involved physically. But I mean, he and Cody are good friends. They're still... Yeah, so Ben's still around. Okay. Yes. I hear where he's coming from and we've talked about, and I want to I want to actually talk a little bit more about the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, but he seems to really want to do even more than that in that he kind of wants to save the world, seems like. And I don't, I don't actually think that's a crazy thought, like that path, because I've called the Constitution the thin parchment line that saves humanity from world tyranny because the entire world looks to us and our liberties and the constitution as a, as a as a touchstone. I mean, you'll hear people in other countries on podcasts talking about like they'll say our sometimes and I think they mean the western world but really they're talking about like our president. I mean, it's weird. So the constitution has this really broad impact and I feel like the second amendment is what keeps it alive because if for the whole world, what keeps tyranny at bay for the whole world because of this, until they get the guns of a, the U.S. citizens, they cannot really go full, you know, brutal totalitarianism on individuals, not, not because we will fight back and save the world, but because they want our guns. So if they, in every other country that's given up their guns, Australia, France, whatever, if they are all boot on neck all the time, Americans will be will redouble their commitment to defend their right to self-defense through arms. And so if we maintain that, if we maintain our right to protect ourselves with guns, I believe that it, it's quite possible that it just, it kicks that can, it holds the line, that thin parchment line. So I wouldn't say he's wrong in thinking it saves the world, but that was the sense I got is that, you know, he, he thought this was a, a much bigger issue even than well-defined rights. Yeah, and there's a moment in the film where I'm, um, I forget the question I asked him specifically. He's like, it's not as important in the United States right now, but in other places it is. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of people in the world that kind of is, kind of are, I think, very interested in the Second Amendment. And there's a lot of people that are just so appalled by it and it's mixed. The thing is, it doesn't matter <laughs> as long as it's kept because there, there, there does draw a line. And the 3D guns in some ways, even though, I mean, they're being used in Myanmar, which is mm-hmm. wild. Um, for personal, for individuals. Against the government. Yes, this is what I want to, it's so hard because the brainwashing is so intense to get it out of your head that personal 
weapons, personal weapons are primarily for self-defense. That's what they are. They're not for offense. When you look at gun crime stats, all you ever see are crimes. You never see the use of a of a defensive weapon in defense. Nobody is calling and saying, hey, I just scared a robber away with a gun. Like nobody's reporting themselves, but it's supposedly in the millions as of, as opposed to the thousands of gun crimes that, you know, they, it probably saves millions of lives. But in, in, in people's minds, they think of guns as offensive weapons. And I would say they're especially personal weapons are primarily defensive. Yeah, I mean, the majority of media only focuses on one narrative you can find the other one um even though i've made these films about guns people are always asking me about like statistics and stuff like that and i really don't read any of it because at the end of the day at least for me it doesn't matter i'm just it's second amendment has to stay that's it yeah i i I agree with you it's a in in this show i think in your film it says it's that gun rights are a human right not a constitutional right they're a human right and the right to self-defense may in my opinion i've said this before may be the only absolute right the right to self-defense you don't have a right to food you don't really have a right to life you're gonna die but you have a right to self-defense you do um i love the meme where where someone's always like oh but what do you think the government's gonna bomb and then you're like you're my neighbor like, do you think the government's going to bomb us? <laughs> like, you know, like, if, if, if we get attacked, we're all going down. That's not the point. Yes, right. Yeah. So, I, but before we move the, beyond the question of the international, there are two characters in the film that um, I'm fascinated by in two different ways. So, Paloma Heindorf. Okay. Where did she come from? She <laughs> does, She like, she's like in that, you know, electric company thing, like which person doesn't belong? She just is such a different... So you can see all the, you know, engineering nerds and all that kind of stuff. And then, and where did she come from? I mean, she, I mean, obviously English. Yes. Obviously and then she English. moved to New York and then she heard about Defense Distributed and she went for it. She moved to Texas and she got a job. Wow. So I believe that was like 2016 when she started January or something um, with Defense Distributed. And so she was there for a few years before, you know, the criminal. Yeah, so she, she, takes on a prominent role and she has yes. some like shining moments in the film, which I, I, I found to be very authentic and impressive. Uh, but I also want to talk about Jay Stark, who uh, has a very different approach. He's a German guy who was also a front runner in 3D guns. And uh, he was critical of Cody, which you included, which I thought was kind of funny. He was also super, you know, on the QT, totally masked up and had partners. And I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler, so I'm not going to say what happened to him, but oh, no, I think whoa. if anyone knows, they know what happened. So, Jaden, interesting within the story of the 3D gun world, um, nobody was really being a big player or taking on those mantles like Cody did, like Defense Distributed did. Until 2018 came around. So it's in the film. 2018 comes around. Cody gets in trouble, personal trouble. Right. And a few people that, you know, have been taught, met on for the DefCAD forums and met, they said, oh my goodness, this literally might be the end of hmm. 3D printed guns on the mainstream. Hmm. Literally, as, as Jay, Stark, Jay Stark says, we, had, we decided to take up the mantle. Nice. So, um, and Jay Stark's first project was the SCG-9, which stands for fucking <laughs> M-Control-9. Yeah. Um, 
And um, that is the gun that because he was in Europe, the difference was he realized that he had to be able to make a gun with a 3D printer, but also with everything that you could find at a European Home Depot. Yeah. It was a different thing. And he introduced electromagnetic engineering into making the barrel. So, which was something that Jeff Rod, um, somebody else in 3D gun world, I believe had been working on. So they were all talking, right? So it helped go into the FGC9. The thing is, um, he was in Europe. And although there's different, there's different ideas of how he was actually caught. We don't have to go into that. But um, he got raided and they couldn't, they didn't find anything. And there's also very little information about this out there. But um, he got raided. They didn't find anything. He was out. Um, he was let loose. He goes to his parents' house. He has a heart attack in their driveway. Um, it is easy to go down the rabbit hole and be like, oh, they must have killed him. Um, in the theme of death athletics, I actually think that they would have rather had him alive and suffer uh, because that is much more powerful to have someone in jail um, fighting to never be let out because that fear level goes up far higher than just like getting rid of someone these days. Um, I mean, who wants to be Assange right now? I mean, he's suffering one minute and we see it. Ross Ulbricht is... Ross Ulbricht, absolutely, right? I mean, people don't even know who he is. And like, there is nobody whose story is less told and who, I mean, who just, it's outrageous what happens. And in his, in his defense, he was not permitted to bring up in his defense that two of the investigating agents went to jail for malfeasance in their investigation, and they were highly motivated to get his Bitcoin. And like they tried yeah. to escape the United States. Yeah, and he was not allowed to that. I can't even, Ross Albert, it makes me want to cry. Catherine Forrest, which was the judge, never forget her name, Judge Catherine Forrest um, didn't allow that evidence into the court. And the mere fact that when the first day of him going to trial... Um, he said, okay, I, he admitted it. I, I created the site, but there are more than just me. Somebody else logged on while he's in prison as an administrator. An absolute demonstration, right? Like all these things. I, I think mean, they literally like snuck up on him yeah, in his I, home I, and found this. Yeah, I have a video um, about that. Cody talking about that in 2015. I mean, Noriega was let out in 20 years. <laughs> oh, Forget it. Like, uh, uh, I would love for you to make a documentary about Ross Albrecht. I don't know if there is one out there yet, but I want to say one more thing about Jay Stark is it called to mind a theory I have where, so this guy in October 2021 in his late 20s died of a heart attack. And this, it, it was unheard of before the vax. Unheard of. Sure. So he seems not like a guy who would get a vax. However, I'm not saying whether he did or not, and I'm not saying that's what killed him, but it reminded me of a theory I have that if you wanted to assassinate somebody young mm. right now, if like the state wanted to rub you out, play into what they may call a conspiracy theory, sure. which is play into this weird trend. They call it SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. I call it just plain SAD. Yeah. Like sudden adult death, there's no syndrome, you just die. Bruh. But why not play into that? So like the Jay Stark thing is really fascinating to me. It, yeah, and it's hard not to think of all those things. You did suggest in a number of, um, you know, group conversations that his life was short. And so he, he did suggest to a number of people that he had a health issue. Yeah. And he knew that he had to do something amazing with his life in a short time. And maybe the stress 
accelerated his demise. That's possible. Sure. But I want to talk about Cody's um, issue just mm-hmm. cryptically because I, I don't, I, the, the film, the way you handle this, you know, arc was just brilliant. So I'm, oh, all yeah. I'm going to say is this. The person who caused him legal trouble, in my opinion, had to have set him up. And yet he just, like, I, I you know, just was just a misunderstanding, whatever. You know, like, it's, he just does not, he does not claim that at all. And I, I, I'm, I just don't know what to make of that. If he, if it's just, he's, because of, you know, he just doesn't want to, just doesn't, doesn't want to cause any more trouble on that front. Um, I personally don't think it was a setup whatsoever. I mean, really? No, I mean, that's the reason he's not in jail. He, she had a history. She was... Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like she, I feel like someone, she got herself in trouble and someone paid her in the government to pursue this, no? I mean... You would know better than I. I just, I mean, of course, I always think everything is a setup. It's possible. I, I literally think it's, if you're going to be a person that, you know, the politicians want. Yes. Don't, don't, do, don't do vulnerable things. things. Don't do things like that. Yeah, right. Um, I agree. That seems crazy. And there's some information, like, I, I think, like he said, he'd done this many times before. So, yes, there is that possibility of setup. Right, Okay. There is, I got you. I mean, and and there's a lot of people that feed into like that. I there's a part of me that just thinks that if it was a setup, it would have been a much better setup. Mm-hmm. It would have stuck. It would have picked a girl that didn't have any history. Yeah, 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 it yeah. It would have yeah. picked a clean. It would have had a lot more things going on. Okay, this was a really crappy setup. If this yeah, was yeah. Okay. Well, I just I well, found this up better. <laughs> I, yeah, I found the whole thing. I mean, it's just you know when you when I don't know anyone who had that happen to them who died of a heart attack in their drive. I actually did know one kid once who was fourteen who or fifteen who did die of myocarditis like fifteen twenty years ago. It's the only time I ever heard of it in my entire life. Now. It happens all the time, but it's rare. Um, but I'm just saying, like when when two of your when your two uh, most prominent protagonists in your story are debilitated or dead or whatever halfway through, I'm like, I you know, I mean, it opens that whole bag for sure. Yeah, but but sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> so <laughs> and I mean, you, you will never know, but definitely. Uh, Cody does not throw her under the bus. Right. No, for sure not. Okay. Well, fair enough. So you'll have to watch the film to to, (laughs) to decide for yourself what exactly happened there. It's the only place he ever talks about any of that. So it's absolutely exclusive. So if you want to know why Cody Wilson did not go to jail, it's in there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was, I, I thought it was very well handled on all fronts and really, I mean, I had to think about it. So interesting. And it is actually good to, you know, if you're like ever, just about everything that's in the mainstream that has like political ripple effects to me is carefully controlled, totally curated. I mean, Edward Snowden's fake, in my opinion. 
So like, I'm not, I always think everything is fake. However, in real life, I don't think anything's fake. I don't walk around thinking people are lying to me or whatever. And this kind of, it's a, it's a way to, you know, what you're saying, it's a way to be like, okay, this is probably a real thing. What is, what is a real thing look like? And that helps you stay, because I think the more fake stuff we're, we're fed, the sloppier they can be without detail, repeating themes, you know, they can really create psyops more and more easily as our, as our entire world becomes digitized. And we, we just don't even know, we don't even have enough authentic experiences to compare with. So I find that interesting too, and how, in the, in the treatment of that storyline. I mean, it's not a storyline, it's the real events. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, on that, on that note, so I'm going to say, I always wonder if people are fake. So is this guy somehow like setting, setting uh, the 3D thing up for something, right? Like who knows? Uh, I walked away thinking not, but, but my only the only possible avenue where that could be the case would be if his, it's like Roe versus Wade. By overturning Roe versus Wade, I believe they're trying to usher in a constitutional amendment by which mm-hmm. everyone in the country would be entitled to abortion on demand paid for. So like, if you're going to make it a right, so sometimes I feel like things are pushed in court to precipitate congressional action for example. So, but the interesting thing about that, I, there was, I think, at least seven years over the last two decades where that specific thing could have actually happened. The Democrats just want to use that as a voting mechanism. Yes, yes. The row thing, next, yeah, too. Yeah. There's this weird interplay, but no matter what, that's where it might go in the end. Right, but, but you're right, it would have anyway. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, maybe it would never have done anything. Like, and actually the, I don't know. It's it's interesting, like uh, mental activity, you know, to figure out like where this. And I didn't realize that there was seven years, at least seven years, I think, during the Clinton administration, during the Obama administration, where they could have actually made that a constitutional amendment. Oh, the Roe versus Wade thing. Roe versus Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they didn't because it's such a powerful thing for the vote. Right, and I think they were saving. The, even the uh, the Supreme Court decision as a silver bullet because they were going to lose Congress that year. Yeah. You know, that was in 2022. And it just totally, totally changed the landscape there. So, yes. And I, and I do believe while they have long-term goals and they do want to shape society in one way or another, they're, every step of the way, they calibrate and recalibrate their options and how they're going to go about achieving those goals short-term and long-term. Which does go back to your first point about is Cody fake or not? Um, these, I've been seeing that no matter what happens, even by pushing anything into the mainstream, it all depends on who ends up controlling it at the end of the day, right? And yeah. so making 3D guns a um, and uh, 80% lowers and all these other things apart of the mainstream dialogue, no matter what, yeah. it is going to force political and media narratives and more uh, restrictions, more fights for these powers. But interestingly enough, during all of this, so many guns have been sold. The yeah. outticks 
of like gun sales every time somebody discusses a control is wild. People like mass buy them. And during COVID, I believe uh, there was like also this weird shift where like Democrats started buying guns. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it's not going away anytime, but, but, but definitely like forcing these things into the mainstream, whether or not they're real or not real, if they're controlled or not controlled. And the end result can always be a little bit dangerous. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and and that's where we are. But there's also, I heard a liberal, a re- real salt-of-the-earth guy. You know, they're, they're, they're fewer and far between now. But people just simply believe that a different, you know, that government can be moral and, and oversee a moral society that eliminates poverty and whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's never happening. And, and he's such a smart guy. It's like amazing to me that he still lives in this bubble. And he's a federal public defender in like an, in a border state. Um, it's just amazing to me that he that he believes in the power and promise of big government. But he he said something I never heard anybody say before, that the reason the state, uh, the government, the federal government, the U.S. government, has allowed us, hasn't pressed the gun issue harder even and really disarmed the American citizen is that it gives them an excuse for militarizing the police. I, I believe I've heard that one. Yeah, I might yeah. be. It was somebody in Texas, actually. And yeah, I, I just don't know enough liberals to hear every liberal argument. I, like- I don't talk politics with enough liberals. <laughs> I talk with him because he's so sincere. I'm just interested in what he has to say. Sure. And his reasoning is so smart. But yeah, he said that. And I thought that was a, you know, it was well, a thought like that they choose, you know, they make lemonade out of whatever. Well, the red flag laws are definitely like a big contentious issue. Oh, so that's, that's a way of militarizing the police. Um, yeah, it's a weird time. Yeah, it is interesting. So, um, another really, uh, a, a line from the sh- from your film that I found, uh, good point. And I think Sullivan, the engineer might've said it and it was, I think it might've been, maybe it was Cody. The U S government sells guns to terrorists, the mentally ill people who use children, soldiers, like the U, just like everything else, the U.S. government is asking to restrict for our own safety and our own moral good mm-hmm. these weapons that they, you know, like it's like the nuclear, uh, you know, I, you can't have a nuclear Iran. The only nation in history who's ever dropped nuclear bombs was the United States. So, sure. like, it's just the it's American exceptionalism at its worst. That's um, A.G. Leaks who says that. Oh, great. And uh, he's masked in the film. Oh, yeah. Was he a Jay Stark guy? Yes. So he was part of the original Terrence Dispensed team. Um, So he kind of represented on film for them in 2020 when I filmed him. Mm -hmm. um, Yes, it's a good point. He has a very good point about like what is really humanitarian issue, which is it us or is it like the people who is literally arming kids and like, Africa or giving money to, you know, Syria that's ending up, I mean, arms to Syria that ends yeah. up in the hands of, you know, people that we're not supposed to be um, enriching with arms, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good, it's a good moment. The, I want to kind of wrap with this. I want to, and anything that you want to say, and of course, obviously promote direct and anything that we didn't cover, I'd love for you to cover, but 
Cody says repeatedly, including with reference to his his legal issues, and I'm not reading too much into this. I'm just going to say it, and then I want to know what you think he really means by this, that he says again and again, it's all artifice. It's all theater. It's all a show. And, and I think he puts it quite well when he says, you know, we're, we're going to have to do it this way while politics are still important. And it was great because he clarified to say, I'm not saying politics are important in that, you know, left, right, whatever. I'm saying that politics as an idea is still important in this society. And and I feel like that that flows into his theater thought. And I'm also wondering if you think he thinks we're going to have a post-political world, if it's an ANCAP world, a revolution or an evolution towards a post-political world. But if you can just tease out a little bit of that artifice, theater, and post-politics. Um, he has a whole idea about post-politics. Um, he, I mean, all this, the idea of theater and spectacle, it all comes from Baudrillard. Um, it comes from the idea of the stage, which is a huge part of how Cody speaks, how he talks. Who is this? Right? Tell me. I'm, I'm a dilettante. I don't know. I'm not as well educated. Uh, how do you spell it? B-A-U-D-R-I-L-L-A-R-D. Nice. Jeez, sorry. I didn't realize that was going to be such a hard question. <laughs> so Baudrillard, okay. Baudrillard. So it comes from, it comes from him. Um, so, you know, it's a stage, it's a spectacle, everything's theater. Um, you use the stage just as much as your enemy uses the stage. Uh, politics is a stage. Um, and so, and that goes into the idea in the beginning thing of what started everything. It's like mischief. It's like performance art. It's art. It's a creation. It's like pushing something into the mainstream and watching what what happens in a way um, and playing that game. So he's like, in relation to because you you quoted uh, three great parts in that in that little moment. Yes, yes. Um, after he got in trouble, and luckily he got out of you know he didn't go to prison. He's like, sometimes you use it, and sometimes it uses you. And, you know, making him um, or using what happened to him, making him an ultimate villain or pushing the idea of the villain was, you know, media again, turning around and using him. So he has this uh, uh, ability to see even the things that happened to him as part of the play that he's decided to work with it. Um he has to, you know, angel and devil, hubris falls and grows again, like all of these things. Um, very Shakespearean in a way. <laughs> yes. Even with the, with the, when he refers to black magic, it was kind of Macbethy. I was like, yes, sure. you know, it's like, you're, this is my comeuppance for having dallied with, with these forces or something. It's, it's just very interesting, a very interesting film. So, yes. So he says that it's all theater. And then what was the what was the second part of my About politics? question? Yes, yes, post-politics, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he, yeah, I think he does a, at Bear Arms and Bitcoin, he did a speech, which I think is called The Post-Political, which you can check online. Um, and he has this idea of the, the post, post-politics. Um so, yes, that's where he is, at least. But he loves 
the political. Yeah, that's funny. Very, well, very much. I mean, I could see yeah. if you can take yourself out of it, not take it seriously. So I, I was never like meant to be a broadcaster. I was an investment banker. And I just feel like because, I mean, that was a long time ago and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a master of the universe, but I'm just a math person. Sure. And I always felt that having, you know, just looking at the news without caring at all about, like, I don't understand politics at all. I'm just analytical. And yeah. I thought, like, by, I don't have, a, like, really, I don't believe in it at all because it's definitely two wings of the same bird. It's, like, laughable to me. Like, I think Trump was an actor. He was literally an actor trained by Jeff Zucker, who ran CNN. So it's fine, though. I, I love Trump supporters. They're salts of the earth, like, uh, you know, um, like others that I admire but don't agree with. Um, but yeah, it just, it can, when you're outside it, it can be a little easier to play that, the role that you want to play, I, I, I can imagine for him. I mean, it's certainly easier for me to like read the news, not like getting upset that, you know, Biden won. Like, it's awful that Biden won, but it's awful when any of them win because every president is worse than the one before. If you just measure it by like national debt, <laughs> yeah. know, every single president is worse than the one before. He definitely has a skill of um, being able to play in it while also being detached. Yeah, but he does seem to care. So Yeah, yeah I mean, he's doing, he's doing the things that he, yes, it's a mix of the two. It's pushing decentralized. It's pushing open source. It's, it's putting things back into people's arm hands. It's 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 demonstrating that you can fight. It's demonstrating yes. you can do these all these things. Yeah. At the same time, the person that's willing to do that and put themselves in danger has to be able to like. It's just a little bit of a different type of person. Yeah, and and it is quite inspiring to see that one person can have an impact. Sure. I mean, that is hard because that you be, hear people on podcasts all the time talking about solutions, talking about this and that. But if you if you have a narrow enough focus and you're willing to give it your all and put your shoulder into it, I really feel like you can have make a difference. So I'd like to know what you're working on now or what your next project is, or are you just like resting? I know you've had a tough, like even just funding this, not to mention all the years of effort. Yeah. I mean, I could almost talk about it, but it's not confirmed yet. <laughs> okay. All right. But you're but you're cooking something up. That's good. I, I may be filming something in two weeks. Okay. Um, that's gonna might be a very quick turnaround, fingers crossed. Um, I'm also have another project. I can't talk, but I have to find funding. So my two last films, the first one I absolutely self-funded. The second one I self-funded until 2022. Until um, I put out a sizzle at a conference and Samurai Wallet. Um, I pretty much was like, I need people now. Like I, I have been funding this, self-funding it. And the blessing of Samurai Wallet jumping in to fund. And then two weeks later, I, as, as watershed moments happened, then I got another, uh, also another um, person to fund the film. And then I could finish it. Um, I can't be so... Passion. See the pants. Yeah. <laughs> although, although I would have already started three. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. It just it takes money and I can't do that anymore. So um I have something that's hopefully starting in two weeks. And then I have another film that I have to get funding for. If anyone wants to fund, come at me. <laughs> just well, let's talk about let's details. Need four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> you need four hundred thousand dollars. Maybe you're not going. out there and they're like, this is nothing. 
and they want Ark to come back in. <laughs> do you uh do you tap into at all? Sometimes I hear there are libertarian networks where people do get funding. Like, do you have some friends at the, you know, whatever libertarian? I, I, I haven't yet been able to tap into any of that. Hmm. No. So, um, but who knows? You know, the, the thing is, this film, Death Athletic, um, why it's so important. Thank you for having me on and why this is so great to talk to you and everyone else who is interested is because this film cannot get onto mainstream circuits. It was, I started trying to sell this in 2019. Um, I was told- It should be on Netflix for sure. Thank you. I was told I mean, it was the wrong side of history because this is- about, <laughs> about And the they're all saying, yeah, they're, no. Yeah, like it was literally said. And I was like, <laughs> there's no way somebody actually said that. It was. Yeah. Um, That's wishful is, thinking. You know, this is a, uh, a snapshot of, I think, a super important moment in history whether you come out of the film liking Cody Wilson, 3D guns, all the players or not, um, you know, the, the, the problem of the time is most people don't even know what they're talking about. They just are like, guns bad, this bad. You know, everyone says this must, you know, they don't know the story. They don't understand that this is not really a two, just a 2A situation. This is so much more. This is, uh, you know, it covers so much more. That's well, fine. and it's a it's a window into the future. And when I look at things like AI, three D printing, technology overall, the internet, I, yeah. you know, the internet was created by the Defense Department. But in order for them to be in every home and control every single, you know, interaction that we had, they had to give us something in return. And they and for a long time, it was limited limited hangout, which just gave us so much information. And yeah. now with AI, 3D printing, stuff like that, they can't come out with it highly like locked up because people won't adopt it. So this is an opportunity. It's very dangerous for them, yeah. but they have to do it or it will not be adopted and understood. So I think you're giving people a window into what the potential is. And, yeah. you know, the more people who jump on that on our side, the longer it'll take for total tyranny to descend. It's important. And then you can see from like the AI bill, which I don't know if it actually got passed. But, um, you know, they technically they're just saying if you have an AI company, um, you have to let us in the back door from the beginning. Yeah. Which is, this is wild. They're going to have all the information. They can source everything immediately if this passes. I don't, I'm not sure where it is at that stage, but when I yeah. first read it, and I think it was like three months ago. Yes, I think yeah. I did a show on that. I forget the name of it, what name they were giving that bill. Yeah. Um, but it was unbelievable how... Artificial intelligence led us in the back doorbell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Force us in. Um, yeah, I'll well, look into it. I'll attach it in the show notes. You know, keeping up with the... Um, they're trying to keep up with the digital age now at a more fervent pace. Yeah. So uh, so I'll, I'll actually... I mean, I anybody who knows... I know some other podcasts. I know people who are established in the, like, more um, organized libertarian portals or whatever. So if anybody wants to email me at Monica Perez show at gmail.com and uh, help me connect Jessica to well, people there who there are a few people with deep pockets, I think that do fund, you know, I've known people have gotten funding for films, awesome. um, but what out, what my people can do, it's a much smaller scale. But if, if everybody listening would just rent the film, it's, I, I got the standard deaf one for three ninety nine because the, I was halfway through it and the 
you did give me a, a version, but the I think my thing expired. So anyway, but I'm happy to support. So I got the standard version um, on Amazon. You can get it on YouTube. You can get high depth. You can buy it. But if, you know, it would be a nice thing to do, support a good cause and facilitate future movie making. And it's actually such a great story. It's so important on, you know, I love that it has a personal element to help you kind of follow the narrative. But the actual issues, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, um, bigger picture stuff, very fascinating. And um, that is Death Athletic, a Dissident Architecture. So I'll put that in the show notes, which you can find at monicaperezshow.com. I'll put some of the books and resources that you've talked about more on you. But can you tell people how to keep up with what you're up to, to follow when you are making an appeal for, you know, another film, when you're going to start producing that or when it's available? How do people follow you personally? Sure. I'm, I'm currently interacting with Twitter. <laughs> so, Fair enough. For as know, long as that lasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work it. Jessica Solche is my uh, moniker or whatever. No, um, no punctuation. S-O-L-C-E. Yes. Um, and deathathletic.com will give you all the Great. ways that you can buy the film. Um, Fiat, you can do BTC Pay. Um, there's options there. You can buy direct or you can go to Amazon. Um, and a few other ones, but you know, I direct. It does. I know, I know. I'm sorry, but no, no, I always I you. I do for easy things. No, I know, but like I just, I always go for the easy stuff. But yes, deathathletic.com would be a great place to go for all of those resources. Yeah, it has, and it has all the links, resources. If you're, you know, there's some people that are still super into Blu-ray. I have a Blu-ray. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a whole. Yeah, because of the quality was so great. I was surprised how many people reached out to me directly. Like, are you making Blu-rays? And I was like, wow, there's a whole demand for Blu-ray still. And, was, like, and had you already done it or you started to do it? It because was in of, the process. So yeah. it just came out. Well, they came out, but now they're really out last week. Oh, I'm going to have to go backwards and start doing Blu-ray for <laughs> you sure. I come backwards. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so Death Athletic. And so I'll be posting... Um, if I start something in two weeks, I'll be posting if I'm doing a fundraiser. And if you want to reach out to me, um, well, why don't you reach out to me when you want to come back and give people or you want me to tell people about what you're up to? I'm okay. happy to. Thank you. So Thank just you let so me much. know when you're ready and what you want people to know. Yeah, I love to. I love talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica Solche, for joining us today. Thank you all for watching and listening to what is officially now No Longer Deep Dives with Monica Perez. I got my old feedback from my radio channel, uh, radio station, WSB. It is now, once again, The Monica Perez Show. Thank you very much. <laughs>